Making Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. Mystery Hour is upon us, your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction that is not ordinarily available anywhere on your radio dial. Um, If you have a question that needs an answer... Try not to be boring. I know that that's difficult to judge ourselves. I don't know when I'm being boring. You decide when I'm being boring. I don't know when I'm being boring. I never think I'm boring. Maybe I am never boring. But anyway, try not to be boring. Repetitious um, is forgivable. Repetition, even, is forgivable because it's my job, really, to look out for stuff that's been done before. Don't ring in with a really obvious question about, for example, baby pigeons or white dog poo or something like that. It's, it's, it's stuff that everyone else listening is going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know that as well. Um, and if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, then you ring the same number and provide it. And if you're correct and we are persuaded of your credentials, you will receive a mystery hour round of applause. If you have credentials that are almost unbelievably uh, apposite, relevant, you may get a Ray Liotta, which is the highest honour that British Radio can bestow upon listeners. Um, two phone lines free. Be quick. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you haven't heard it before, give yourself a few minutes to, to get what's going on. If you know exactly what's going on, then um, fill your boots. Book your place on the board right now. It, who, why, what, where, when, whither. Anything that you've sort of thought about and thought that, well, what, why do we do that? When, when, when does that happen? Or even ifs, if that, well, you, you, like, you know exactly what are the little stuff that's buzzing away in the back of your brains. Hopefully we can get answers today. And you're not allowed to look anything up. It, I won't bore you with the full spiel on this, but it, it, it was born of the idea that there was somehow something sad but inevitable about taking calculators into maths exams. <laughs> for, for the generation that didn't have calculators, it felt like it was somehow wrong. For my generation, which has the internet, the whole notion of knowledge and memory and, and, and remembering things is going to be utterly unrecognisable by the time we pop our proverbials. So it, this is just an attempt to hold back the tide and to uh, hark back and enjoy and celebrate the notion of knowledge, that learned information is... A boon is a good thing. Um, six minutes after 12 is the time. Carla is in Bromley. Question or answer, Carla? Hello. It's a question, of course, James. Thanks oh, yeah. for taking my call. Um, brilliant introduction. And it seems rather lame in light of your love, you know, what's what? been going on. However, what I would like to know, I have known it, by the way. Um, you have what? I'm one of the old-fashioned... I have no internet. Really? I'm one of the old-fashioned people who doesn't have a smartphone and not smart enough for them, obviously. But you have internet at home, though, do you, or something? Uh, well, I, I do most of the time. Computer? It, it goes on and off. Okay, well, fair enough. All right. Yeah, well, well actually, at the moment, I feel pretty deprived, but there right. we are. Um, I have tried to look it up before. Okay, so I went along to the fishmongers the other day, yes. and I've asked the same in Sainsbury's. Yes. Nobody seems to be able to answer the question. It's very rare... When one goes <laughs> by scallop, as yes. one does, if yes. you me, with row. The orange bit. The orange bit, exactly. In a scallop. And which, to me, is the tastiest bit. Mm. Um, although I feel a bit bad about eating all those babies and stuff. But, you know. yeah. um, invariably, almost invariably, it's a, the, the, the row is removed. Now one sees a row of other fish. I can't remember which ones you would probably... What's the question? Sorry to hurry you, Carla. What happens with the scallop, though? 
Because I've not seen it. You don't. You can't buy scallop roe by itself. What happened you can, to it? You can. You can buy it in little pots. Yeah, you, you can buy it at my local that. fishmongers. I like. I like scallop roe with streaky scallop bacon. Scallop roe by itself. Yeah, you can. I mean. I think I've seen it in pots, like whole, but 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 that might be rare. It's a good question, actually. What happens to the scallop row? I wonder if Rex is listening. That's a little bit. Of a, that's a little bit of an insider that for the for the retail oh, for the food an, and an old Latin king hey? for the food and drink community of of Chelsea. We shall see whether or not we get a call from from one of the. I countries. would really really love to know. Yeah, I, I would as well. I, for years. No, it's a great question because you, you you often don't get the row. I like you quite like the row, but it is a much saltier. It's a much more fishy flavour than the scallop itself. The scallop itself could could pass as a as a. Uh, not even a seafood, uh, depending on what it was cooked with, whereas the roe is in, unmistakably marine in origin. And, and uh, a lot of recipes say you can remove the roe. Um, I like that, Carla. I shall try and get you an answer. What happens to the roes, lads? Simon is in Halston. Simon, question or answer? A uh, question, please, James. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. What can I do for you? Um, this has been pondering me for a while, but why do we stand on the right on the escalators? At the ch- on the tube uh, in general, and stand, and it says keep left at, as we're walking in corridors. Why does it say keep left in corridors? In, in train stations, it says keep left. Does it? So it's yeah. keep left in the corridors and stand on the right on the tube. Yes. Yeah, it's a good question. That actually, I was going to start teasing you for being rubbish, but I'm looking at the faces of my colleagues, and they're all intrigued, and they're also yeah, nodding. The research was produ- uh, it was stumped as well. Say that again. Your research was uh, was stumped as well. That's, to be honest, that's that's unremarkable. That, yeah, uh, I'll confuse myself. <laughs> that's your fight. Why do stand on the right on the escalators and then sort of all cross over when you get to the corridor? Someone from London Underground, please. Liz is in Staines. Liz, question or answer? Um, is question. Carry on, Liz. Um, oh, does Liz go, did, did, did Liz get stage fright? Uh, Rob is in Putney. Rob, question or answer? Question. Carry on. <laughs> When I leave my bread out, it goes stale and appears to lose water. Yes. When I leave my biscuits out, they go the opposite. They go soggy and appear to absorb water. I know this. <laughs> this, this is actually incri- intrinsic to the definition of a cake and a biscuit. Do you remember when there was some controversy surrounding Jaffa cakes? Indeed, yes. Was it a cake or a biscuit? I, I, uh, this, this, uh, is it something to do with oil? Ingredients. It, well, it's obviously <laughs> something to do with ingredients, but what... Is it... Is, 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 it starts off hard, gets... I don't know. Oh, rap. I thought I knew that. I'll, I'll try and get you an answer. So why do biscuits go limp, but bread goes stiff? Yes. Why, why are you laughing? Because uh, you don't know the answer. Well, that's normal. It's mystery hour. I'm not supposed to know the answer to everything. That would be really boring. Biscuits. Biscuits go limp and bread goes stiff. Why? It's something to do with oil, but it's not coming. It's not, it's not happening. Ten minutes after 12. I do that sometimes. I do the... It's, it's a bit like distraction. Start talking about Jaffa Cakes. Look over there and my brain is trying to step up a gear in my... Come on, drag it up. Get this information. Get this. It's just not happening. I've got nothing. I've got nothing except Jaffa Cakes. Jaffa Cakes. Liz is in stains. Let's try again, Liz. I'm so sorry. What happened? I'm very, I, I don't know. It just went... 
just went. Obviously, I was too boring. No, it's because right. the Russians, the Russians got got the message uh, a bit late it, that we were talking about the Russians, but they, they got the message. What it of, felt like I've been zapped. Yeah. Listen, I go to the gym, and and every time I go to the gym, they make me do burpees, Pardon? which are evil burpees. Everyone who goes to the gym will know they're disgusting things. They really hurt. What are they? And Describe they, a burpee. It's to like you. okay, you get down on the floor, you do like a jump, you pull your feet back, you go back again, you jump up in the air. And oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're hard horrible. work. Yeah, and they make you do them when you've done something bad, like you turned up late, or you haven't, or you crossed your arms, or whatever. Do ten burpees. That's the weirdest word. I was thinking doing them the other day. Burpee doesn't make you burp. It can't be that. And it's a double e at the end. Why burpees? It's probably an acronym, is it? Do you think? Oh, I thought about that. I thought, yeah. really? Well, it's like six, seven letters. Burpee. Yeah, it's quite a, I tried quite to a complicated acronym. Body it's... under rebrin. No. Oh, get out of town. It's Come on, flipping out. Sorry. Know. So, and someone that does what? Oh. Someone should know. Well, I'd never heard of it before. I, think... I mean, you, you, you oh, maybe staggered very, to hear very this. Common. They're really common and they're really unpleasant. And everybody that goes to gym thinks, please don't make me do burpees. I know the manoeuvre. I know the manoeuvre, yeah. but I didn't know it was called a burpee. People, yeah, people who have seen me in the flesh may find this very, very hard to believe, but I'm not a massive <laughs> exerciser. Well, maybe you would know, but I don't think I asked the gym instructor because I thought if it's so obvious, and yeah. I asked this question on Thursday, people all over the country are going to laugh at me. And she said, oh, I don't know. I thought, well, you're making me do them. And yes. you don't even know why they're called that. I shall do my best for you, Liz, to uh, get get Thank to the you. get to the bottom of the burpees. So we need to know why burpees are called burpees, why bread goes stiff but biscuits go limp as they stale. Uh, why we and it's a bit London centric that one. I'm surprised it got through as I seek to spread the word up and down the country on the corridors. One, the the, the London Underground. Does it does it does it hold? What do you mean you said it to him? It's no good saying it to him. Is it is it is it true on British Rail stations? Not is it? You never say. You don't get escalators at British Rail stations though. But anyway, lots of people come to London who don't live here, so it's important that you know why. You stand on the right on the escalators and on the left when you're going through the corridors. And what happens to all the scallop rows? Given that quite often when you buy scallops, very good question this, quite often when you buy scallops, um, the rows have been removed. The rows are the orange bit. And I quite like the fact that I can hear, hang on, what's that noise? I can hear some gammon, little gammons exploding. Because what they're doing is they go, oh, middle class, ooh, it's talking about scallops. And then they're remembering in their little gammony brains that we were supposed to be having a war with the French about scallops. So actually scallops are really important. And they're not a middle class cliche and evidence of metropolitan elites. Oh, poor gammons. Jordan's in Merseyside. Jordan, question or answer? Uh, good afternoon. It's a question, please. Carry on, Jordan. So I uh, I tried to pre-order um, a book last night. Oh, um, yeah. And- you, you might have heard of it, actually. It's uh, it's called How to Be Right in a World Gone Wrong. Um, author's a bit full of himself, but I did fancy it. He's a, he's a right prig, mate. You want to watch him? <laughs> however, however, he is in a he is in a position to give you this for classy contributions to the program before we even get any further. Yeah, go on. Oh, fantastic! But what I wondered was is I quite like um, a paperback copy of a book, and yes. I wondered why why are new books released as hard covers first, and then you have to wait months and months and months to get your hands on a paperback. I, I, I think, historically, it's just money. I think people pay more for a hardback, so that if people are really keen to get their hands on it. But that doesn't really work anymore with Kindles, because the Kindle edition of... What was that book called again, Jordan? I, I believe it's called How to Be Right in a World Gone Wrong by Mr. James O'Brien, released 1st of November, uh, unless you want paperback, in which case you've got to wait. Great work. <laughs> when, when, when is the paperback out, actually? I'm not being silly now. I haven't. It's next year, isn't it? It's 2019. 
Uh, I think it was June, possibly. Right. I don't know. I can't remember now. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I, I, I think that's the answer. So historically, you just make a few more quid out of flogging the hardbacks than you do out of selling the paperbacks. But the the, the Kindle thing has kind of messed that up. So I'll leave it on the board. And and um, if only we oh, knew lovely. some. If only we knew some published authors who had an actual insight I, into this. Well, this, this is what I thought. <laughs> I, I do think for the plug, I definitely deserve a signed copy. If, I, if you uh, well, well, a freebie, I thought you just ordered it. Oh no no! I I, uh, I, I held off because I thought I know. I'll ask James about that first. I can't give out free copies every day, Jordan. I already, <laughs> I had a Liverpudlian on yesterday who I offered a free copy to. I said, they're all going to. I know, but I, I've given you two plugs. Yeah, but now everyone's going to ring in and give me a plug and expect a free book in return. I'll see. Mm. I, I, I sing as it's that, that is it. That is the that's the last free book of the week. It's going Lovely. to Jordan. Great Thanks. work. Stay on the line to get, get his details. Twelve sixteen is the time. The hardback. Well, the original reason will. But is it just money? I don't know. We'll find out. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. A little bit of semantic controversy unfolding on the programme, as you'd expect. Where, where is that one? There? There's someone complaining about the way I pronounce scallops. Now, that is quite an interesting complaint. Allow me to take a moment to tell you why. Harry also tweeted to say, it's a good job you couldn't answer that question from Liverpool, James, or you'd have had to give yourself a Ray Liotta. Would I, I suppose I would have done. Not because it's a about published authors, there's millions of published authors, but the question was specifically relevant to the book that I actually wrote. That would actually have been a Ray Liotta moment if I'd known the answer. Qualifications, I wrote that book. Blew it. That was probably the only chance in my entire life of getting a Ray Liotta on my own programme. Rats. Now, who's that? Tracy's complaining about the way I pronounce scallops. Now, I, 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 I take your complaint, Tracy, as I do all complaints. I take it to heart and very, very seriously. But in Kidderminster... Oddly, a scallop is made of potatoes. In fact, I believe I just said the word potatoes in a slight Kidderminster twang. I don't. Do, do you get this outside the Midlands? It's like a thin. It's one slice of potato, a big slice of potato, thin slice of potato, and then it's chipped. It's, it's chucked in the in the deep fat fryer. So it's it's like a cake, a potato cake, a thin potato cake. And I, I would call that a scallop. Can I have scallop? Can I have cotton chips in a scallop, please? And mushy peas. And I would call a scallop the crustacean, the shellfish, that I find quite delicious if you are interested in new recipes. Fry it up with a bit of streaky bacon. Fry it up with a bit of streaky bacon and deglaze the pan with marsala or a little bit of sherry, something sweet, and, and then pour it over the... Mm, I'm feeling hungry now. So I digress slightly. That's why I say scallop for the shellfish, because for me a scallop is a giant cheap... Leslie's in Colchester. Sorry to keep you. Leslie, question or answer? I can answer, James. Carry on, Leslie. Have you ever had a scallop? No, I'd hate them. I hate, hate anything like that. Anything that... Yeah, no. No, the potato mean. one. The potato one. Oh, potato, yeah. Potato scallop, yeah. yeah. All right, carry on. Well Nothing done. fishy. Mm. Nothing fishy. It's an answer. To what? The burpee. Test. Oh, yes. Well, what is a burpee? Well, you know what a burpee is. Yes, yes I do, but why is it called a burpee? Why well, it's it? called a burpee because the man who invented it, or not, he did, he, yes, is a guy called Royal Burpee. Um, he was an American physiologist. And basically, the reason that, that he, he, was, he tested it, he did it actually as a fitness test. It oh, started yeah. off as a fitness test because you're lying on the floor, so your, feet's got to pump, your heart's got to pump the blood down to your feet, and all of a sudden you jump up in the air Put your hands, hands above your he, um, head. Yeah. So your heart's got to pump the blood from your feet all the way up to your head. Well, I never... So it really works your heart, and it, he really just tested how many burpees somebody could do as a fitness test. Qualifications? I used to be a personal trainer. And his first name was Royal? 
Roy Eisen, the Royal Family. Royal Burpee? His mate, he was a, an American physiologist. It was years and years ago. Royal Burpee? Yeah, well, go, yes. Royal Burpee, him. that's not a name, that's like a snack. <laughs> I didn't, I haven't made it up. Royal Burpee? Yeah. <laughs> we'll call him Mr Burpee then, would you believe it then? But, but that was, it was his name. It was, it his, was his name, yeah. Royal Burpee. It's a great answer. He's a physiologist and, um... Why did you stop he, being a personal trainer? Oh, uh, because, oh no, man, this one might be a whole new story. I broke my neck. No. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm oh, fine. God for that. Yeah, I broke my neck, so it was, I was out of action for about two years. You poor thing. Left all my fitness and oh. all of that. But so, you're back yeah. in the saddle now, so to speak. Pardon? You're, you're back back on form now. Oh, I'm back on form. Yeah, yeah. yeah only tiny, minimal damage. Walking, talking. Yeah, miracle I am. Oh, but uh, yeah, no, no. That, that's why. Great so. work. I'm glad to hear I'm, it. I'm fine How now. did you break your neck? If you don't mind me asking. I fell down the stairs. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah, it's not pleasant. It wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't advise it. No, there you go. It was all, you always learn something on this programme. Yeah, and no, today don't, I, you don't... don't, uh, don't well, two don't things you've taught us. Number one, that a man once lived called Royal Burpee, and he came up with the physical test known as a burpee. Don't look at me sceptically. Leslie wouldn't ring me and, and tell Phil. I wouldn't. No. And number two, breaking your neck's no fun. No fun, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's no fun. Round of but, applause. But life after, it's wonderful. Good. There we go. A lovely call. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Sean's in Torquay. Sean, question or answer? Hi, James. Hello. Um, question. Yes. Why does the sun fade things? Furniture, books. That is a books brilliant question. That is yeah. a brilliant question. Well, thank you. So, well, I, I should warn you, when I call questions stupid, they often turn yes, out to be... Br- yeah, so it could yeah. all backfire on us both horribly. <laughs> there's a shop, seeing as I've, I've been to Kidderminster in my mind already during the programme today, there's a shop in Kiddy that closed down, and, and I, I don't know whether they couldn't track down the owners or something like that, and it had a full window, and it was near the old swimming baths, and it, it was incredible. It must have been shut for 20 years, but it still had the display in the window, and there's packets of cereal in the window that you could barely make out what they'd been they were almost completely bleached it's incredible yes. i mean it, it just it baffles me as to why light coming from the sky would bleach anything at all it's a lovely question but, oh, you're welcome with that caveat that it might turn out to be it really stupid, stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shall soon find out sure thank you why does the sun bleach things why do books come out in hardback and then paperback why do bread why does bread go stiff while biscuits go limp as they go stale? We've done the burpees. And why is it st- stand on the right on an escalator but walk on the left in a corridor on public transport, particularly in London? Someone's just told me that in Tokyo and Osaka they do it differently. So in Tokyo it's stand on the right and walk on the right. No, the other way around. Stand on the right and walk on the left. But if you get on a bullet train to Osaka and you get off it, then you stand on the right and walk on the right. Oh, dear, dear, you learn something new every day. And where does Scallop Rose go? Karen is in the Black Isle. Karen, question or answer? Hi, it's an answer, please. Carry on. Uh, it's about the bread and the biscuits? Yes. Right. Um, if you look at the composition of both of the doughs, they are completely different. Yes. Now, a bread dough contains a lot of water. And when it bakes in the oven, the starch takes up a lot of the water yeah, while it bakes. Now, absolutely. you can see that when you're making a roux, a when roux. you make a sauce. Yes. It's, it's, the same, it's the same process, just in a bread you don't see because it's in the oven. Yeah. And, uh, so a roux is, is when, is when you, you add a liquid to flour and it turns into a, a, to a thick paste, so the, the, the yes. flour is changing chemically as it absorbs the water, the yes, starch, in of, other words. But, but that, that, that change isn't permanent. No. 
Okay. So as soon as the bread has baked and it is it is cooled down, the whole process very, very, very slowly reverses. The water so starts emerging the, from the starch. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. So it gives off water to the surrounding air, and so that's why your bread goes stale unless it is pumped full with chemicals to keep it soft. Now biscuits generally are a mix of a lot of fat, so a lot of sugar, yeah. and some flour as well. And hardly but any water. There is not very much water in them, and uh, sugar is hygroscopic. That means it attracts water. Of course. So, yeah. so it's osmosis. Yes. Exactly, so that's why your biscuits go a bit limp if you don't put them in a tin or something. I, uh, I think that counts as a, as a definitive answer. You just reminded me of one thing, though. Ivan doesn't know about the word osmosis. Ivan has been my studio producer for a few months now. I've never explained to him that there's a special sound effect that we should play whenever I say the word osmosis on the programme. I'm going to have to explain it to him in the commercial break. What are your qualifications, Karen? I'm a baker. Uh, uh, for fun or, or, or for... No, no, <laughs> by trade. Is it? What's, trade your speci- is. what's your speciality? Um, bread, to be honest. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you ever do sourdough, where you make your own Oh, thing? yeah, at home all the time. Oh, round of applause for Karen. Thank you, Ray. I, would, I mean, I was just toying with the idea of a Ray Liotta, but you can't get a Ray Liotta for being a baker. Uh, there's too many of you. <laughs> it's 28 after 12. Great stuff, thank you. Matt's in Leeds. Matt, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, actually. Um, I, uh, I know very, very little about octopuses, other than they have three hearts. Oh, yeah. And, and eight, eight hearts, legs as well, mate. Surely you know that bit. No, actually, no, I didn't. That's, that's news to me. Silly sausage. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if, a, if an octopus has a heart attack... Is it all three hearts that are inclusively affected, or is it one isolated incident within one heart that the other two then kick into? You may be guilty of anthropomorphism here. You may be presuming that despite having three hearts, the nervous system of an octopus somehow stands comparison with the nervous system of a a mammal or a human. Mm. Well, again, you've already moved me into the realm of the confused, so please. Well, no, I I will find out for you. I mean, because we don't even know that octopi can have heart attacks, do we? Well, they must be able. Surely every animal can sustain some sort of heart attack or heart malfunction that the uh-huh. other two then kick in to assist it with. Yes, it's sounding quite strident now, Matt, having gone from a position of quite innocent confusion. You're now sounding like you'd back yourself in a fight on this one. No, you, I, 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 do love, I do love a fight. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when an octopus has a heart attack, given that they have three hearts? And that's working on the proviso, because Matt's feeling quite feisty that octopuses are definitely capable of having heart attacks. Um, I like these questions. Let's start getting some of them answered. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. There's a chance that that London Underground left and right question was incredibly stupid. And I didn't spot it. But then I will bring in Osaka and Tokyo, just to mix it up again. Mm. Steve's in Leicester. Steve, question or answer? Answer for you, James. Carry on, Steve. Right, it's why does uh, sunlight fade everything? Oh, yes. Um, Okay, it's not the light you see that's doing the damage. If you can imagine light as uh, as a cake, a layer cake, you have the visible light that you see, that's in the middle, that's surrounded on one side by ultraviolet, energy yeah. side by infrared energy and it goes up yeah it's the ultraviolet end of the uh, light that's hitting us that reacts with the dyes and the inks that causes the fading seriously yeah qualifications i'm a thermography engineer so i look at the other end of the light spectrum to the ultraviolet what's a thermography engineer 
Okay, you've seen on these police shows where you've got a, a thermal image camera under a, ca- under a helicopter yeah. and they're finding criminals because they're out there. Like in a bush or something I, like that. That's it. Yeah. I carry a hand out of one of them and look at uh, electrical components to see if they're going to fail and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Cool. How many thermography engineers are there in the world? Um, more than one. Yeah, but... If I, if I can, if, say, if I can, there's, uh, there's thousands of us. Oh, is, oh, well. So you're not going to get a Rayleigh Otter, but you are going to get a round of applause. What a lovely answer. So, so the ultraviolet element of the light has t- t- chemically... Well, do we know what it does? What What is the reaction? Uh, um, I can't... I mean, I, I could try and guess something. It's. Uh, I don't know the full uh, chemical reaction, but it's uh, how the dyes and the pigments react to ultraviolet light. Yeah, that'll do nicely. That'll do nicely. Round of applause for Steve. Thank you. No, thank you. I, I think you're the first thermography engineer that I've spoken to knowingly on the programme. And now, speaking of uh, the programme, I have instructed young Ivan, my um, uh, studio engineer, about the importance of that word. Now, if you don't know, if you didn't listen to Miss Chair in the early days, it, whenever I got a science question that I didn't know the answer to, I would often say, I would often say, is it osmosis? But But the hallelujah chorus wouldn't kick in unless someone actually used the word correctly so for example the passage from an area of high concentration to low concentration through a semi-permeable membrane is known as osmosis and that is the noise that should happen whenever the word is correctly used i'm not sure i did correctly use it earlier so it may be that i've done ivan a disservice by accusing him of being a bit slow on the uptake but that, no, it's in place now so there's no excuses in the future uh, i've got a couple of phone lines free actually speaking of the future one of them could be yours oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that you need these all need answers where do all the scallop rows go apparently my um uh, expert fishmonger has tweeted although I've, I've missed the tweet in the cavalcade of communications coming into the studio but but um not a satisfactory answer uh, sorry rex um standing on the left standing on the right walking on the left think about it <laughs> bread we did why do some why do books come out in hardcover and we've done the bleach question as well and what happens when an octopus has a heart attack given that they've got three hearts dan's in thurrock dan question or answer question please carry on dan right the water on the surface of the earth how over the millions and millions of years has gravity not drawn that underneath the surface of the earth away from the reach of uh, animals and people and things like that. How, how has the water remained on the surface? Heat, isn't it? Pardon? It would be heat would be involved. Because I, I understand the question. You sort of mean, why isn't there a sort of ball of really soggy soil in the middle of the earth and there's no water left on the top? It's not well, even... How, how is it not just seeped even like half a mile beneath the surface? Why would it? I mean... Because of gravity. It wouldn't be gravity, though. Well, gravity, well, well then why, why haven't humans? Why, why, why are you choosing water? Why, why haven't... Why because haven't, gravity's not that you, strong. If you, if you pour water over the top of a bucket of sand, yeah. it seeps to the bottom, doesn't it? So yeah. why hasn't the water gone just beneath the surface? How, well, is, it well, on it, the, how it, is it on the surface? It has. And then, well, no, and then it's, it's reached the point... No, 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 keep, pour, keep pouring the water into your bucket of sand. And, uh, and, right. and there will come a point where... The sand can't absorb any more water, and the water level rises in your bucket. 
Yeah, but that's, you're talking about... A, a I'm using your analogy. It's your bucket, mate. It's not my bucket. You brought your bucket here. You used it to draw a picture of the question you were asking, and I've answered it with reference to your own bucket. Yeah, the bucket I'm talking about is the size of the entire planet. Yeah, so then I'm talking about all the water on the entire planet. I don't understand what's so complicated about this. Why, Nothing. Why it's really simple. I've just, I think I've just explained it. Simple. I've just explained it to you. You said the word heat once. Well, I did think initially that the way water comes upwards as opposed to downwards is when it's ste- in steam form, when it's, when it's become hot. And as you know, as you head into the centre of the earth, you will encounter more and more heat. But I don't think, I think that might have been a red herring. I think the answer is, is pretty simple. And I only saw it when you used your bucket example. Is that water well, so is absorbed? Some sort of like damp proof membrane beneath the surface well, of the earth, and the water hits, and then uh, well, you, you can up. say damp proof membrane, or you could just say stone. So you think that the earth has a, a stone membrane? Well, I don't think it has a stone membrane. I just think wherever there is a large body of water, it has reached saturation point. And, yeah, and beneath the seabed. I, I don't know why we're arguing. I, I'll put your question on the board if you're not happy with my answer, and then you can hear someone else say the same thing in a different voice, and, and I'll give them the round of applause if you want. Okay, well, if, you're, if you're that confident. It's not a question of confidence. You said a rude word earlier. It's not, say again? You said a rude word earlier. And no, I'm it was prig, mate. P-R-I-G. Oh, I didn't hear that. No, is he? John's in Surbiton. John, question or answer? Uh, question, James. Carry on, John. Um, I was wondering why all the relatives that we have either have a male or female designation, niece, nephew, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, except for cousin. Oh, I like that. And I just wondered why there's no sort of male is, is or female. It, is it true in other languages? Does French for cousin have an E on the end of it if it's a female? And I, I don't know. What? So, so, <coughs> Bulgarian and Russian have different words for male and female cousin, but we don't. And, and it looks like a French word, that's why I asked. I'll, I'll try and find out for you. It's not, I mean, it may be unique to English or French or European languages. Could be. I like but, that one. Uh, why do you want to know? Uh, it just, one of those things that just came to me the other day, I was thinking about because um, I just had a new granddaughter. Oh, congratulations. Thinking, thank you. And uh, wondered why cousins didn't have a, a, a male or female side to them. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering as well now. Hopefully we'll get an answer. Thank you, John. Is that your first granddaughter? Is that your first grandchild? Uh, No, fourth. Oh, I say. Carry on then. Just business as usual. 12.42 is the time. Colin is in Richmond. Question or answer, Colin? Oh, hello, James. It's an answer, James. Carry on, Colin. It's about your question about why we're asked to walk on the left uh, in London Underground and stand on the right on escalators. Yes. And effectively, we're asking people to do the same thing. Uh, yes, I realise that, that when, when you yeah, yeah, when you're walking down a corridor, the uh, obstacle that's going to hit you is people on the right yeah. coming towards you. Yeah. When you're on an escalator, the obstacle that will hit you will be people standing on the right as you walk up the escalator. So always walk on the left and you can't go wrong. Where are you? Oh my God! Well, you're in it. You're on it. Are you? I'm actually now on the escalator. You, there is no escalator at Richmond Station. Well, I'm not. Well, I left my mobile on the blooming bench, didn't I? Where, where, where are you now? I'm uh, just coming up to the top of King's Cross. Oh, I've got you down as Richmond. That's all. That, that's that's that just must yeah. be where you rang from last time. I thought I'd just done a bit of detective work there, like Bellingcat tracking down that. There yeah. is no escalator at Richmond Station. You, sir, are the murderer. 
<laughs> yes, no, but... Uh, Qualifications? Yeah, that's, that's basically, basically asking people to do exactly the same thing. Avoid the obstacle on the right. Uh, and so you could say it was common sense, but it was nice to hear an answer from, from someone with, a, with an air of plausibility and authority. What are your qualifications, Colin? Well, I actually worked for London Underground as head of uh, passenger traffic logistics. Oh, shut up. I did, yeah, 1979 through to 84. <laughs> Head of Passenger Traffic Logistics. Yeah, head office, St James's Park. Absolutely. And, and I've got and, a, a first-class travel pass for the rest of my life as a result of that, James. And, and there would only be one at that period. There could only be one head. I mean, it's like Highlander. There can be only one head of logistics for transport. Pa- passenger, passenger Traffic Logistics, indeed, yeah. Absolutely. All right, kids. This is why we have the Rayliota. I'm Rayliota, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. First class travel. I mean, on on national rail, not just on local road. Well, on... Yeah, yeah. Because back in the day, yeah. uh, we were all under the same. We were part of the NUR. So of if you, you are, uh, worked yeah. for the railways, you got uh, yeah, you got perks across the whole network, which uh, I still have, which is lovely. Oh, and well, you've got a Ray Otter now, man. That knocks your first class life season ticket into a cocked hat, doesn't it? Well, so, well, you can almost, almost add, you know, a free copy of your book, James. Just get lost. 12.45. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Yeah, I am tight with the Rayleigh Otters, but I think they definitely deserve... You're not going to get one for being a baker. I'm not having any stewards' inquiries on this. It's entirely in my gift. You need to think of me like a Roman emperor when it comes to Rayleigh Otters, all right? I will give them to whoever I please, and even if my rules on a Monday don't match my rules on a Friday, hmm, I'm a Roman emperor. I can marry my horse if I want to. It's 12.49. Professor Hal is here. Question or answer, Professor Hal? Oh, a um, bit of foreplay first. Banter. Pardon? What? Banter. Banter. Oh, yeah, go yeah. on. I'm outside the Russian consulate waiting to get my visa because I'm off to Russia in a couple of weeks. Are you going to be all right? Yes, I'm going. I want it clear that I'm going to look at St. Basil's Cathedral, and that's the only reason I'm going from the science. <laughs> if you turn no out, other reason. <laughs> if you turn out to be a secret agent, I will eat my hat. I really will. It would be very funny. Um, when are you off? Are you doing, you're doing one of your science performances? Yeah, every year, this time of year, I go off. I, um, thought you I did. can clearly remember being knee deep in snow, phoning you once. You rang from Russia last time, yes. Well, hopefully, we'll do so again. Be careful, won't you, Hal? For those people um, wondering why Professor Howe has the um, uh, the status, if you like, to just sort of suggest that we're going to indulge in a little bit of pre-answer banter, it's because he is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton and therefore something of a patron saint of Mystria. So I know when I say question or answer that he has an answer. What is it? Um, it's funny you should mention Roman emperors, because I was about to say that um, I did a calculation once that everyone has at least one molecule of water in them from Caesar's dying breath no. because of the water cycle. Um, the question, the question has said, oh, why didn't all the water seep away? And yeah. um, if you've got a sort of sink full of water, you can see it's not going to seep away. So what he's alluding to is if the earth is porous, then why doesn't it all seep away? But yeah. you don't have time to. There's a water cycle, and you were quite right that even if it did, as you go down, it gets hotter, it would evaporate and join the water cycle. So we drink water, we wee it out, the water evaporates, goes to the clouds, rains back down, <laughs> comes back down, gets purified, we yeah. drink it again, it goes in a big cycle. So there's no time reading for it to filter away. It's like a bouncy castle where the air leaks, but it's being replenished all the time. And, and so, yeah, of course it is. And, and also the density of 
the rock beneath the water is greater than the density of the water, isn't it? So there's a, it, well, it that, well, that would be relevant as well. There's a million reasons. It was actually, I mean, I, I don't want to be rude because it got, it got oddly tense, that exchange. But, it, it, I mean, it, it's an odd question. No, but it, it, it yields a lot of science in the answer. Yes, it does, and, it does, um, it does. So, it, yeah, we're always glad to um, add to the, uh, the pool of knowledge. Pool of, pool of knowledge. <laughs> Round of applause for Professor Howe. Good work. When are you off to Russia? Um, it's the weekend of the 12th and the 13th and okay. the 14th. So. Right. Enjoy. Lovely. You're not taking Wayne with you as a little helper? He, actually, he did offer me this last time. I know. Um, uh, one day. All right. Carry on. I still need an answer to the octopus's heart question, and we've only got six minutes left before Sheila Fogarty takes over. And if she knows the answer to the octopus's heart question, then I am a Russian spy. Alan is in Beckenham in Kent. Alan, question or answer? Uh, an answer. Carry on. Hopefully. Alan. Oh, good man. Unless you've answered it already. Oh, I don't know. Let's find out. Um, it's the scallop. Yeah. Road. No, I mean, to be honest, if we'd answered it already and Beth still put you Have through, you? there'd be all sorts of fireworks going off in this studio okay. at the moment. Where does all the row go? Where does all the row go? Have you been into a Chinese restaurant and had. Um, seaweed. Yeah. Oh, I knew that. I'm blinking you. Yes, I have, Alan. You have tried seaweed. I On have. top of it, yeah, you would have noticed this flaky orange powder. Yeah, it's delicious. That is dried scallop roe. And it is so umami. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, it tastes a bit salty. I love it. They add I love several it. things to it. So, in of, other words... use it yeah, to dry and flake on top of their... Um, it's a seasoning, effectively. Cuisine. A particularly p- delicious seasoning. Yes, I suppose. Qualifications? 40 years in the seafood business. At what end? Sorry? What end? Were you, were you on a boat or were you in a shop? Oh, just importing, selling, packing. Do you know Rex? Uh, no, in Grimsby, oh. in Billingsgate. Okay. In, in all the fish ports all around the country... Um, so... What's your take on the scallop wars? Um, yeah, it's pretty gruesome over in France, because mm. that's where we go to get our scallops from, to eat. Yes. Um, you can buy five kilos for 20 euros, uh, and they're all hand-dredged. Mm. The UK comes over with their great boats and scrapes the bottom of the ocean. Ruins it for everyone. And uh, picks up all the scallops yeah, because they're allowed to fish yeah. um, all year round. It is a sign the of the European point. Union not necessarily getting things perfectly right. right. From the French point of view, I suppose if you're a British scallop fisherman, the idea that you're filling your boots while wrecking the... Well, I mean, as a fisherman, I don't want to create wars here, hmm. but they haven't done themselves any good in the past because they've allowed. sold their quotas to Spain. You're not allowed to say that, Alan. You, you live 40 years in the seafood business. You don't know as much about the seafood industry as Nadine Dorries and Nigel Farage. Might, All right. Um, it started when they used their trawlers to um, supply the oil rigs. Did it? And they didn't need to fish anymore. Well, I never knew so that. what did they do with their quotas? They sold, sold them. them to Spain. And then spent 30 years claiming that the British fishing fleet had somehow been undermined by Brussels. Sure, yeah. I mean, oh, Alan, mate, really it's a bit late, time, lads. Really, it's a bit late. We voted time. out two and a half years ago. Where were you in the run-up to the referendum when they were telling their lies about fish? Well, I mean... You would sound like you were busy. They're army, aren't they, when they get started, the fishermen. Army. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, you knew no. you knew the business inside. Have you had your round of applause? Have you had his round of applause? There you go. 
Anything else? I mean, am I, did, was I a drink? I don't think I've ever seen scallop row in little pots. Uh, that's what Maybe I was about to ask you. You're good, man. I was literally about to say, did I dream it? I thought I saw it in the Covent Garden fishmonger no. in the freezer next to the... Uh... There wouldn't be a market. It's a chefy market, and mm, that's about it. I think you'll find Nigella Lawson likes scallop rows on toast. No, it's scallop bro. She likes them on toast because in her recipe with, I think she's the one that does it with streaky bacon and then you declaze the pan with marsala. Um, <laughs> you should try that. You'd like it, Alan. Yes. I think she says she saves the roe and then has them on toast on their own later. Right. And that's Nigella Lawson, mate. Seriously. It might, might have been herring milt, which is the... Why are you arguing with me? I've read the recipe and you haven't. Oh, right. Well, you may have a poor... Poor understanding of fish and milts and herring roe. The yeah, milts are from the uh, male herring. Yes. And about the only thing you can do with it is spread it on toast. I like or that. Yeah. send it across to Finland and feed the... Um, fin- Finns. The mink. The mink. The mink. The yeah. Finnish mink. For the mink farms. They like it. Over there. You should write a book, Alan. Uh, yeah, I probably will one day. Yeah, I look forward to it. So if you need any advice, just let me know. It's 12.56. That, he had his round of applause. What a lovely coinuous stuff. Couldn't, I love that sort of quiet certainty. I really know what I'm talking about, James. And I'm so laid back, I've practically fallen over. David is in Bradford. Question or answer, David? Answer. Is it the octopus's hearts? No, it's oh. about the word cousin. We've got, if, you, if anyone knows the answer to the octopus hearts question, they will get on the programme before 12.59. Why, why does cousin not have a gender attached to it in the way that almost every other human relationship does? Because originally it meant relative. And Shakespeare uses it um, in that way. Cuz. And so it, it wasn't specific gen, uh, gender-specific because of that. So it, it meant any, any relative. And, but the, in, in English, in... Um, it, it it didn't have a specific word for what we now have as cousin, oh. so we borrowed the French word, just meaning relative. I mean, it was originally meant relative. Yes, that's that's why it's not qualifications. Specific. A love of English all my life. Oh, that'll do, David. Round of applause yeah. for David. Yeah. Very Thank nicely you. done. And that's cuz cuz is in Shakespeare as well, isn't it? Cuz. You know, it's not just cousins. Yes, that's cousins. right. Cousins. He, he does use it quite well. I like it. Good work. Uh, 12.58, octopus's heart, quick. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Julian's in Chichester. Question or answer, Julian? Uh, answer. Carry on. It's uh, the hardback and paperback release question. Oh, I forgot about that one. Go on. <laughs> uh, it is about profit. Yes. Um, the hardback's uh, seen as more of a luxury item, so publishers uh, like myself can charge more for them and get more profit. Um, and since the rise of Kindle, there's been a move in the publishing industry to put more money into the production of books with nice effects on the cover and that sort of thing to oh, make it okay. a really okay. desirable object. So, I've got a lovely picture of me on the front of my book. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, that's what made me pre-order your books. Oh, <laughs> good, man. good man. Good man. And, of course, the quotes on the back from Emily Maitlis, Susanna Reid, Robert Webb, mm. Jamie Oliver, uh, Krishnan Gurumurthy... And what was the other one? I've forgotten now. And The Sun, of course, that famous Sun quote. So, the, yes, you're right. You do want to... It's a bit like vinyl, isn't it? It's a mm, bit like the yeah. comeback of vinyl now. My oldest loves vinyl because it's got a, it's got a sensory element to it that you don't get with a Kindle or, or equally you don't get with Spotify. And you work in publishing. I do, yes. So round, yes, three years. Round of applause for you, Julian. <laughs> and it's just the octopuses. I've always got the, the echo in the back of my mind, the octopuses' garden. In Yellow Submarine. We've not got an octopus. So that's it. We've done really well today, everybody. Great work. But we don't know about the 
Um, octopus. That's it from me for another day. The next voice you will hear on LBC belongs to Sheila Fogarty. We do know they can't. Oh, get on with it. <laughs> what do you mean they can't? They can't survive if one goes ca- well, What's goes the point ca- of having three, then? Because they do different things in the body when it's working well, and when it doesn't work well, that's it. Quali- end, end qualification? I googled it. <laughs> Shame on you, Sheila Fogarty. <laughs> you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.